0: And we're going to continue this morning with this story of David. And you'll see that the the title that I've put on this, after a lot of thought and a lot of prayer, because I think the title is important. Because the first thing you look at when you lift this sheet is what what the title is. Isn't that right? And I have prayed over this title because I wanted the Holy Spirit to just grab you. And I believe this is what he settled me on. The title is You are in position for more. That is, if you've trusted Jesus as your saviour, and even if you haven't, if you haven't trusted Jesus as saviour and Lord, then you're in position today that this could be the day that you would receive his salvation, that you would come and just acknowledge your need of a saviour and invite him into your heart, and that this could be the day where your life would be full, where you would have more than you've ever had in your life where you would have the holy spirit and you would have christ as your savior and your lord would not be amazing so if there's anyone here who has never had that moment of actually consciously inviting jesus to come in because he's he, he's a gentleman he's not going to force his way in he waits for us to ask him he knocks on the door of your heart And if you've come in here this morning and you don't know Jesus, then you can know him and you can receive so much more. Life can take on an entirely new dimension. Jesus said that he came to give us the abundant life, the life that was full, full to the brim and overflowing. He came that we could live our lives with him and for him and to him. So if you don't know Jesus, now the time. Last week, there was someone just came, before we even started, just came to know the Lord last week. Um, just a few weeks before, her mother had also received the Lord. So we are excited about things like that. But if you do know Jesus as Saviour, but you've, you're just in a place where you're here this morning, and maybe you're thinking, what's my life all about? I want to tell you something. I believe God wants to do more in you today. And I've, I've sensed that. Even in the early hours this morning, I really, I was telling the girls in the prayer room, I really sensed like God was saying that he he wants to do more, but he's longing that we would put our hand out and take it by faith. And so as we give the word this morning, and as we talk about David, this is God's part to you, but you have to respond in faith to take this and to go for the more that God wants to give to you. You see, David was finally going to, we're going to read it now, he was finally being crowned as king, not just of the one tribe, the tribe of Judah, but God was going to keep his promise. And just where we're going to start reading now, we're going to see he was being crowned as king of all the 12 tribes of Israel. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 5, and I'm going to read the first five verses, and it's from the New Living Translation. Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, David, that you would be the shepherd of my people, Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months, and from Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. We're just going to stop there, and I just wanted you to notice that for at this particular moment, all the tribes were united. They were united in agreement that they were going to king, they were going to crown David as king. And not only were they united, but they were about to anoint David with oil to be the king. Now he had already been anointed before, but he was being anointed again. And I believe this morning that the Lord wants to say to us that when we come here and, and we know Jesus, that we're united with him, but we're also united with each other and there's power in that and when we come together in agreement united there is something then that is so important about the anointing because god wants the anointing to flow up among us and and he wants there's an increase of god's anointing when we come together so david was united with his people but he was also being anointed and, and they were recognising that, that all the time that Saul had been in the king, Israel was recognising that it was David who was the shepherd king all along, that God was the one that he had raised up to be their shepherd king, not just a king, but a shepherd king, a man who, who knew what it was to care for the sheep, and so he was very special because when a, when a shepherd uh, looks after the sheep, he, looks, he knows how to look after a nation. And so there was a special title over david he was the shepherd king and so we see that they came and they said to him did you notice that i read there they said to him you are our own flesh and blood they recognized him as being their flesh and blood but you see this is just a fantastic beautiful astonishing picture of jesus our shepherd king because jesus jesus is the the lord our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David wrote, knowing that that as he was a shepherd, the Lord was a shepherd and he knows how to look after us. And so Jesus was the the shepherd and is our shepherd even today. And he came as Messiah. See, There was a fulfilment for Jesus We say so often here on Tuesday mornings that David's life in so many ways is a shadow, a foreshadow of the Messiah, the one who was going to come. Messiah simply means anointed one. And so Jesus was going to come just as David was anointed. Jesus came the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who, like David, had suffered rejection. Remember all those years that David was running in the wilderness? Jesus came and suffered rejection. And yet, we know that one day he is going to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords and i just we haven't time to look it up and read it but philippines 2 9 to 11 tells us that he's going to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords and every knee shall bow to him in that day and he is our true shepherd king and just as david entered into a covenant with his people to be their king Jesus has already entered into covenant relationship with you and me and if we already have accepted him as saviour then right now we're in this covenant unity with him, we're members of his body and we're members of each other and just as Israel said to David you're part of our, our flesh and blood That's exactly what the scriptures say we are to God. And I'd love just to read a couple of verses to you, um, maybe from uh, Ephesians chapter 5, where it tells us that we are members of his flesh and of his bones. Let me just read you a couple of verses. It's those beautiful verses in Ephesians 5, where it says that just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean wiced by the cleansing of God's word he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish instead she will be holy and without fault in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church And we are members of his body, or the new King James says, his flesh and of his bones. This is the kind of relationship that you and I have. We're actually part, imagine, that the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One who came here to die for us, that we're actually part of who he is, that we're part of his body, part of his flesh and blood. That is amazing. But here's the thing, God has more. God had more for David. You know, he could have said, well now I've got the crown now, I can put my feet up now, I'm landed. But there was so much more to come. God had so much more for him to conquer, so much more territory for him to take. And when we come to trust Jesus as our Savior and we receive him into our hearts, we start a journey. And this this weekend I have been so impacted on my spirit that god wants us to wake him up to the fact that he has more for us just over the weekend i had this real sense of it was like one of those moments where it was like you know those kind of eureka moments where you just kind of it was like a sort of a wake-up call i just sensed in my spirit that god was saying to me i have brought you so far but there's more and it was like an excitement in my spirit that God had more. I just felt, and last night I could hardly sleep because I just felt that God was saying, please tell these women that I have more for them, but they have to take it by faith. It's not gonna jump out at you. It's It's not gonna hijack you. You have to, to waken up and you have to receive what God wants to give you. And there's more to be taken. And we're going to see that David had more territory to conquer. Let's just read on. 2 Samuel 5, verse 6. Let's see what it says. Sorry, yes, verse 6. David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there just want to stop there, we'll, we'll, we'll continue reading that in a moment. But here was the thing, he was crowned, but he was just about to have to go now and take more territory. He he was made king, but now he was going to a place called Jerusalem, and he was going to have to fight against these Jebusites. Now here's the thing, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem was actually Part of the territory that God had given when they entered into the land, He had given it to the tribe of Benjamin, but Benjamin hadn't taken it. They hadn't conquered the land, and God was now leading David to go with all the tribes and to go and conquer the land. You see, although he was crowned and he was in his rightful position, David. Have not yet got the full possession of the territory that God wanted them to have. And that's what I want to say to you. And I'm going to read this to you because I've written it down and I feel I want to just read it to you. Compare your own situation. You're a believer who's accepted Christ as king, but maybe you haven't given him all the territory of your heart. God was going to challenge David about conquering more. And this was, this was going to mean that he was going to have to go and fight for and take the city of Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem, of course, Jerusalem means peace. Or actually, probably a truer version is foundation of peace. And I believe that in all of our lives, after we get saved, you know, Jesus, has, Jesus wants us to enter into more of his peace. He wants us to give him our all. He doesn't want us just to receive him as saviour, but he wants us to receive him as Lord, and that means giving him our all. So uh, this city of Jerusalem, it was still occupied by pagan people who were called Jebusites. The tribe of Benjamin hadn't gone in, they hadn't fought and conquered, they hadn't, they had, they, they still hadn't occupied this territory. Now, Jerusalem today is not nearly as high as it was in those days because a lot of rubble with all the times that Jerusalem was destroyed is now a lot higher, but in those days Jerusalem was on a hill more noticeably than even now today. And and so uh, the tribe of Benjamin hadn't conquered these people, these Jebusites, and they were sitting on top of this hill because Jerusalem was a fortress. And they were sitting there, and and they were kind of looking down on David and his men, because Jerusalem was a high natural fortress located on the northern borders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. So, when you whenever we're driving from Jerusalem and we're going down the road to Jericho, you come to a place and you see the sign up with a wood picture, the symbol of Benjamin, and you realise you're entering into Benjamin territory. Isn't it amazing? It's still all all carved up in all the different tribes. But you see, it's it's a natural fortress, and there was a wedge just between the border of Judah and Benjamin, and this wedge was just where Jerusalem was situated. And it kind of was like a division, almost, of the northern tribes, and the southern tribes, because Benjamin and David were the, north, the southern tribes and all the rest were up to the north, and so whoever captured Jerusalem was in a very, very strategic position, right? because if you had if you conquered Jerusalem, then you, you, had, you were in the middle between the north and the south and you were in a fortress, and you really had the right to rule the country. So Jerusalem was a key place to conquer. And that's why David was moving, immediately after he was crowned, he was going right immediately to Jerusalem. And as I thought about this, I thought about how Jerusalem means peace, and how God wants you and I to know what it is to have a foundation of peace in our hearts. Colossians 3 and 15 says, let the peace peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. One body together, that we would know peace, the peace of God. The New Living Translation says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. So I believe there's something today that God's saying he wants us to to allow him to take the territory of all of our emotions and our hearts that we might experience his peace. I've written in your notes here, note that our own hearts also have a natural fortress around them and until we submit to Jesus the King of Kings there will be no true peace and unity within our body, soul, and spirit. So in a way this this David and and his men going to take Jerusalem was a beautiful spiritual picture if you like of how God wants to take our hearts he wants us to be at peace with him he wants us to have a foundation of peace in our lives he wants us to submit to him to 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 let him conquer us so that we might know what this surrender is that we might know this unity and anointing and oneness with God You know, in John 17, whenever Jesus was having this conversation with his father, just before he went to the cross, he gives us an insight to the heart of God. And I want to read this to you. Here's what Jesus said to his father, that he wanted that we would be one with him. He says that they may be one as we are one. And he said to his father, may they, that's us may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me that's what god wants you to know he wants you to know his love and his peace he wants you to know that you are anointed with the oil of gladness he wants you to know that you are one with christ and that makes you brings you right into the godhead you are one with christ and one with god the father and one with god the holy spirit and you have this privileged position of being able to live a life in oneness with god in oneness with heaven and that's what creates peace and so david was going to fight for this fortress of Jerusalem, so that he could rule from there, so that he could reign from this place and he would be able to keep the whole country in peace and, and he, was, he was already anointed and the tribes were united and they were in position to go and take more and take more land, take Jerusalem and this morning here we are and listen, we're, we're united to Christ, we've been anointed by the Holy Spirit and here we are in unity and God wants us as individuals to come and let him take over every part of us. We've been singing about the blood of Jesus. We've been singing about how we are drenched in love and God wants us to surrender to him and let him take over our hearts. Let him rule from the very seat of our heart and our affection. And so we see that these these, um, these men, David's men, were coming to fight and they were, coming to, they were coming to take the city of Jerusalem, the foundation of peace. But let's read on because it says, David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there. And the Jebusites saw, taunted David, saying, you'll never get in here. Does that ring a bell? Isn't there an enemy who taunts us? and mocks us and tells us, you'll never come into the reality of knowing that peace, of, of actually being able to reign from that place in your heart with Christ, of being in unity with him. You'll never come into the more. You've got as much as you're going to get. That's what the, that's what the enemy tells us. And these Jebusites, they were saying, you're not coming in here. You think you're coming in here? No way. And so it goes on to say, that the Jebusites taunted David, saying, you'll never get in here. Even the blind and the lame could keep you out. For the Jebusites thought they were safe. But it says, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. I'm going to read on here and then we'll we'll go back on it. On the day of the attack, David said to his troops, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. Whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the water tunnel. That is the origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter into the house. So David made his fortress his home, and he called it the city of David. I don't know what your translations are, this different, uh, New new, um, King James puts it this way. It says here, "'And the king and his men went to Jerusalem "'against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, "'who spoke to David, saying, "'You will not come in here but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion that is the city of David. Here's the thing. I'd love you to get this picture. These Jebusites, who were pagans, were sitting up on the top of the fortress of Jerusalem, and they were looking down. They were sitting on a natural fortress, and as far as they were concerned, David and his men Mm -hmm. had not a chance. And they were, being, what they actually said was, "You're not coming up here." They were taunting David. That's what it tells us. And they were saying, "You're not coming up here because even blind and deaf people could keep you from coming up here." But there's actually more to this than what uh, we realised because it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just that the fact that that they were saying, you know, the blind and the and the and the deaf or the blind and the lame could keep you out of here. These people were taunting David because they were so confident in their own strength. They were so confident that they held the fortress. And they were so confident that David couldn't come up that they were actually throwing out this challenge. But here's the thing, when it tells us here that David said that his soul hated the blind and the deaf, listen, it wasn't human beings that David was talking about. Let me explain to you what was happening. These people were pagans and we believe from history and from other parts of scripture that they had false gods planted on the top of this fortress. Now, we believe that they were probably, they were probably like brass little, some kind of little idols, like brass idols that were images of brass set up along the heights. I read from her that they were probably images of brass set up on the heights of the city as custodians of the city. So these deputites, they didn't believe in God, Jehovah. They believed in these false gods and they had their gods up along the top of the city and they were basically saying, you can't come up here. Sure. Even if we were, even if we were blind and we were lame, we could keep you out of here because this is easy. Because we're we're in position and you can't get up here. And I want to tell you something that the enemy will try to say that to you. He will try to say to you that you cannot do what you what you're desperately needing God to do in you and through you. <laughs> He will tell you that there, you haven't hope, that, that you're just like a, a blind or a lame person, you have no strength, you can do nothing, that you can't fight against the enemy. He'll tell you you're, you're defeated. But here's the thing, David said, and it was to these fake gods that David said this. Now David said, on that day, whoever climbs up by the way of the watercourse and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, and here's it, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they say to this day, the lame and the blind shall not come into the house." Get the picture. The Jebusites are on top of this fortress. David and his men are down in the ground looking up. No possible way of of winning this battle. No possible way of taking Jerusalem the foundation of peace. Just the way sometimes you and I are in that position where it seems like there's just no way we're going to win this battle. And these Jebusites had all their strength and all their hopes placed in false gods. These little brass things. I don't know what they looked like. I was thinking, what were the brass monkeys? I don't know <laughs> what they were. But they were brass things. They were they were just dead. They were actually blind. These it was these images that David hated, and he called these images blind and lame. These images could do nothing for these Jebusites, yet all their hope was in them. And I suppose I'd just love to take a moment and just think for a moment of of the world and how the world puts all worldly people who don't know Jesus, they put their dependence on false gods. They put their dependence in things that can neither see nor walk. (coughs) They put their dependence, whether it's in finances or whether it's in relationships or whether it's in reputation our materialism, or whatever it is, the world does not look to God to win victories. The world looks to fake gods. The world looks to idols. And this morning I just really felt it would be really good for us just to take a moment and just challenge our own hearts. Are there any idols that we're looking to? Have we set up any idols in our hearts that would stop us from really receiving from God? These Jebusites, were depending on idols to keep David out. They were depending on, on, on things that had neither no life in them. And that's what the world does. And I believe today that God wants you to know that he is alive and well. And he wants you to realize that the enemy will try to slip an idol into your heart. You know, the the word for these these idols were called, I think this is how you pronounce it, Mozim. They actually had a name for these gods, the Moseem. And that word Moseem means stronghold. And here's what I want to just warn you about, and I'm warning myself about it as well. Do you know how strongholds get into our lives. I mean negative strongholds, worldly strongholds. Do you know how they get into our lives? They get into our lives by a foothold. I love what Philip Emerson often says about this. He says, when, when somebody knocks the door of your house and you open the door a little bit and they get their foot in, that's a foothold. But whenever they push the door wide open and they stand right into your hall and they come in completely, that's a stronghold. <laughs> And that's what the enemy does. He wants to get you to compromise and and give him a foothold. If you can get a foothold of any kind of compromise, then very, whether it's slowly or quickly, he will try to push in until all of a sudden that thing you thought you could handle has suddenly become a stronghold. And so David was looking up, and it looked as though there was no way he could take these strongholds. It looked as though these Muzzin were sitting in position. The Jebusites had the stronghold. They were in control. It looked like there was no hope. But here's the thing. David put out a challenge that whoever would climb up, verse 8, whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Now here's the thing. Do you know, I'm actually getting it quite difficult to get this out this morning. And I feel like the enemy doesn't want it to be clear to you. All right? I really feel that there's something here that is actually so important for what what God's offering you this morning. I feel this enemy is coming against me so I'm just going to stop. Lord, I just pray for help this morning to be able to speak this with clarity and Holy Spirit that you would take your word and that you would put it right in and plant it in as good seed right into the hearts of every one of us this morning. You see, there are things that become strongholds in our lives. We do have fake false idols in our lives and God wants us to hate them, the way David hated these false gods. He really does. He wants you, and God wants us, there is a place for hatred. He wants us to hate anything that stands in the way of Christ being all in all. And when we begin to hate the things that we, that we allow to rise up, and, and hate the idols of the enemy tries to trip us up with, when we begin to hate those things, we'll be in the place where God can help us to pull those things down. And, and 2 Corinthians 10 says that we, we, don't, we don't wage war as humans, but we use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning, to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle and capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ, to come into the obedience of Christ. And so this morning, I think that God wants this to be a wake-up session to realize that there are maybe some little fake idols in our hearts that need to come down. And we need to actually see them as God sees those things because God hates anything that's going to rob us of more of him. And we need to come into agreement and hate those things. I don't know what those things are for you. There could be something smaller. There could be a stronghold that's actually getting a big place in your life. But God does not want you to be put into a a place where there's a stronghold in your life that's gonna stop you from receiving all that he wants to give you. Because I remind you that our title this morning is that you're in position for more. And God wants you to have more, but the enemy wants to put in anything he can to stop you, a stronghold, anything he can put into your life to stop you getting what God wants you to have. But here's the thing, David put out this challenge and he challenged his men that whoever would climb up by the way of the water shaft, that's the King James Version says, whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft, that he would be the chief and the captain. Now we're going to see at the end, this actually turned out to be Joab. But here's the thing, David literally challenged his men to go to the water shaft. Now in the Hebrew, the word is basinor, which meant the gutter or the water course. So I'd love you to get the picture of this. Am I making sense here? Is this this difficult to follow? Okay, Okay, well just hang in there. Okay. Because I'm going to tell you, up until last century, they had no idea what this scripture was about. They didn't know what this water shaft was. It was unheard of until the last century. But then they discovered, a shaft of 40 feet, and you can see it in the city of David if you go over there today, a shaft of 40 feet that was discovered connected to a horizontal tunnel over 60 feet long, which was made by the Jebusites so as to be able to secure water in time of siege from the Virgin Fountain, which was just outside the city walls. And later Hezekiah made alterations to that tunnel. So this is a real tunnel. Now, can you imagine when david's looking up at these on these jebusites and he puts his challenge out to his men and he says to his men whoever climbs up this guttering if you like now that meant you have to go down you don't get to the guttering unless you go down whoever gets down to the gutter and climbs up the water shaft whoever gets through and breaks through out at the top first that's going to be the one who's going to lead the armies of israel now he probably wasn't wise to do that he said hey, been more prayerful about who would be the, the leader because would know Joab was a bit of a lad. But he, in some ways, we're going to see Job's a picture of Jesus in this. Because in order to win this battle, David's men were going to have to humble themselves and get down to the lowest place, down to the gutter, and then start climbing up, which was no easy task, to climb up onto the top. And when they got to the top, of the fortress of Jerusalem. Can you imagine the surprise of the Jebusites when all of a sudden these men, these fighting men of David break out of the ground and all of a sudden David's men are in the middle and they're fighting and they're fighting from within the city. Mm -hmm. And of course, David's men want to win the battle. You see, this, this is the bit that's so difficult, but I would love you to catch this. These Jebusites never for one minute imagined that David's men would climb up that gutter. They never, it was the last thing in their minds, they never dreamt that these men would go down so low and go down to the very gutter and then start to come up and climb up and break through and win the battle. It was not in their thinking. And here's the point that I want to get across to you. That the forces of hell Never imagined for one moment that God would send his son, that Jesus would come down to this earth and go to the very gutter of sin for you and me and rise up from the dead and break through sin and hell and break through into victory to win the battle that we could have this fortress of peace as our right to live from that place of peace. And I believe this morning that God wants us to get a fresh understanding of how much it cost Jesus to humble himself to become humble to lay aside his deity and to come down. And in some ways, Joab's a picture of Jesus here because Joab—he was the first man down. He was power crazy, like he was just—he was a human being. But he—he he got down and he started to climb up, and he was the first man through. Let me tell you, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He went down into hades and he paid the price for us and he went down to the gutter i was thinking just uh, through the night honestly i could hardly sleep last night and and i'm doddering around this morning maybe that's why i just felt there was something in this that i believe god wants to speak to us as individuals it doesn't really matter if it's come out clear in, in a lot of ways it just matters that the holy spirit would drop something into your heart That would connect with you because I believe that the resistance against this world this morning and any murkiness that there might be about this story I believe it's the enemy with these little false gods that doesn't want you to get it, because I believe God has you in position for more and he wants you to know that breakthrough that breakthrough in your life you know when I think of those men breaking through and rising up in the middle of these Jepusiases and winning the battle, it reminds me of the resurrection. It reminds me of that morning whenever the and you see, we haven't time to read all of this, but if you were to read if you were to read um First Corinthians two verses six to fifteen, in fact maybe we'll just read a, a little bit of it. First Corinthians two uh, verse, uh, verse 7 it says the wisdom that we speak of is the mystery of God it's not the mystery of this world it's not the wisdom of this world God's plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began but the rulers of this world have never understood it for if they had they would not have crucified our glorious Lord that is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen and no ear has heard no mind has imagined what god has prepared for those who love him the thing was that if satan and if the hordes of hell had ever dreamt that god was going to send his son and die for us on the cross like what philip often says from the platform here the enemy would have cut down every tree in jerusalem in, in, in israel he would have filled every tree to the ground if he didn't but he had no idea just like these Japanese, had no notion what David was going to do. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how sometimes God, sometimes he asks us to humble ourselves. You know, how is it there's a real prideful thing about us that so often we don't want to fall to our knees. Whenever we were, we were in Fort Aventura a few years ago, and we're going again tomorrow morning, thank you Lord. <laughs> uh, but a few years ago we were in Fort Ventura and uh, William was there, obviously, William and Jane and I, and William was going through a stage of, uh, of what he, had, he had. before that he had gone through a stage of losing hearing aids uh, and had been very apologetic to the hospital and all the rest of getting these new hearing aids. But anyway, he, he hated, he'd gone through a phase in his early days of hating his hearing aid, aids, but he was at the stage where he now knew that they could help him, so he was wearing them. But uh, we didn't know, about the hearing aid battery had gone dead in one of the hearing aids. So he never bothered saying to us, so he must have just got fed up, and anyway, all of a sudden, this hearing aid disappeared. And so we were kind of hunting around everywhere. I'll never forget, we went round that house looking for the hearing aid, couldn't find it. Finally, I said to William, William, where is your hearing aid? And I was pointing, you know, where? So he looked at us, and he walked into the kitchen, and he put his foot on the bin, and he just tipped the bin off, and he went like that. So of course we had to go through all the rubbish and no hearing aids, so then we thought, I bet you it's in the dump, it's outside in the skip. So there's a skip outside of the houses where we are, so Jane and I thought, right. And at that stage, I remember I was, had been reading about this story about David and about his men going to the gutter, and I says to Jane, TO THE GUTTER! <laughs> And out we went and we got brought a chair out of this and this big skip was sitting up the road a bit and I got up on top of the chair and I started leaning into this big skip and Jane had a grip of me by the feet and I'm down rummage into do all this stuff, can you imagine what it was like to try and find this hearing aid. Why did we do that? Because we knew the importance of the hearing aid for William. We knew that for the rest of his holiday, he needed that hearing aid so that we could put battery in it and he could hear and he could enjoy the rest of his time. And I want to tell you something, that sometimes God asks us to humble ourselves so that other believers might hear, so that we would have the joy of helping others. And what is it about us sometimes that we're so proud and we're so unwilling to, to actually bow the knee and to, to actually take the humble place? And you know, God's saying, I have so much more for you, but you have to be like David's men. You have to be willing to go down in order to go up. And if you're going to get victories, the way is always down before we can, before we can go up. Over the weekend, I really felt like God said, just one of those moments on Sunday, I really felt like God, in my spirit, that something clicked, that that God really has more for all of us, if we're open to it. Let me just read the next few verses to you before we finish. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 5, So David made the the fortress of Jerusalem his home, verse 9, and he called it the city of David. And he began to extend the city, starting at the supporting terraces and working inward. He actually, in the one of the translations says, he, he begins to work at what they call the melo, which was like a landfill. So he began to fill in certain parts of the city in order to level it. So he was working from the inside of the city out. Whenever you and I understand that Jesus has gone to the gutter of hell for us and paid the price for us, that he has now risen and conquered peace for us, this fortress of peace that Jerusalem is a picture of. When we begin to realize what Christ has done, then we can begin to allow him to, to not, only, not only anoint us and unite us with himself and each other, but we can begin to allow him to establish us and this word that's, that's a hard word for me to say with my list establish god wants to establish you and i looked up the meaning of that before i came out this morning and to establish is related to stability it has many meanings but it has the idea of the feeling of building on a stable foundation and david needed to get this territory this fortress so that he could live in Jerusalem on the foundation of peace. Literally, he was going to live there, and he was going to literally level it out and work from the inside out. And that's what God wants to do in your life and in mine. He wants us to get rid of the idols. He wants us to allow him to have his way in our lives, that we might experience his peace, That he would have all our heart all the territory of our heart and he wants us to allow him to build us up from the inside out that means reading his word it means being in that place of communion with him you know a lot of times i think we we actually stop praying because we 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 think god's not listening and we have this thing down to that prayer is some kind of pious words prayer is is a continuous connection with god and God wants us to be continually connected in faith to believe that He's interested in what's going on, to know that He's there for you, to know that He's planning out things out of your mess, to know that He answers prayer, to know that He wants to bring you where He builds you up inside, that you're getting stronger inside, and it begins to show in the outward. And if you look up we haven't time, but if you look up Ephesians um Ephesians chapter five five, yes, verses two, eight and fifteen, you'll see that 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 we're supposed to walk in a different way when we know Jesus. Because whenever you build whenever you build up inside, it begins to show outside. And David began to build up the city inside but it began to be seen outside, began to be seen externally. And God wants us to be built up from the inside out. I've written in your notes, when we are built up inwardly, it always manifests outwardly by the way that we walk or by the way that we live. Ephesians 5 talks about walking in love, walking as children of light. Walking in the light is such an important thing. Bringing stuff into the light so we can get prayers. Stop! Stop keeping that stuff in the dark. That's where the enemy works and creates havoc in your life. If there's something going on and it's in the darkness, please bring it out and get rid of it. We need to be children who walk in the light. Walk circumspectly or carefully. See things from God's point of view. Walk carefully and be filled with the Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit. Those are all ways for you to walk. In. How does it happen? By building up the inside by building up the internal, by believing what God says, by watching out for any unbelief. I'll tell you, put yourself in the place of, of actually hearing God. Put yourself in the place where you're constantly talking to Him. And make sure that you get out to, to church and that you get to places where you're hearing the words spoken and where you're encouraged. Make sure you're fellowshipping with other believers because if you don't, you're going to, the enemy's going to just dull you down. and, and God wants to fan you up. And this weekend, I just felt like God, just through coming to church, just through being here on a Sunday, just through hearing Phil speaking on Sunday morning, I left feeling something was stirred in my heart to believe for more and to believe that God wants to do more with this group. And sometimes there's a battle to get the more. And even as I felt difficult to get this across this morning, sometimes that's the battle you have to push through because the enemy does not want you to catch this word. He doesn't want you to understand that actually God's saying, I can do so much more with your life if you just surrender and get rid of the idols. If you just let me come and fill you up inside with my peace. Do you know you can have peace in the worst of situations? It's supernatural. God wants us to experience that. He wants us to live from this place this foundation of peace he wants us to be established not only united together with him and each other not only anointed by the holy spirit but he wants us to be established believers who know where we are who know that we're on the rock christ jesus who know how to encourage each other and move as a body because there's no lone rangers in this We're all to work together. We are part of the body. We're part of his flesh and his body. We're united together. We don't do it as long as we do it together as we encourage each other. And I want to encourage you because I believe that God spoke to me at the weekend. And I believe he said, Maureen, I've been with you all along. I felt he said to me, start thanking me for every part of your journey. (laughs) I told that to ladies in the prayer room this morning. I felt that God said it's so important to give thanks, no matter how difficult your journey has been. It's so important to thank God for his faithfulness. Yeah. And it's so important to say, God, I know you have so much more. And with all my heart, I'm going to receive it from you. And I'm going to put my hand out by faith and I'm going to believe that you're going you're to bring me into the place of more. Are you up for that? Yeah. Do you want to be women who are established? I believe a lot of you a lot of you know Christ and therefore you are united to Christ and united to each other. I believe that you're those of you who have, you're already anointed by the Holy Spirit. But oh, to be established woman. Oh, to know the stability. To be strengthened and settled. To know what it is to occupy peace. And to know what it is to be a blessing to other people. As we at times go down to the gutter we take the humble place and we start to pray and we start to plead on behalf of others and we begin to see the breakthrough in life. This is what God wants to do. All oh, that we could do. All oh, that we would see. That we would see what God could do. Let this be a moment. I just want to finish with one, with one word. I would be kicking myself if I didn't read you this. This is so important. Let me read just on down, Verse 12. Uh, well we'll go to verse verse 11 then king haram of tar sent messengers to david along with cedar timber and carpenters and stone masons and they built david a palace and david realized look at this and david realized that the lord had confirmed him or most of your versions will be established him as king over israel and had blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people israel in the middle of the night i felt the lord said to me did you notice that David realized it was like he had a revelation. As soon as he saw all this stuff coming to build the the, the palace, as soon as he saw the the, the building materials, he had this revelation that that the Lord had established him as king. One of these moments that I'm telling you about, one of these moments where we suddenly wake up and say, God, you've been working on all those difficulties all my life. God, all this stuff I've come through it's for purpose because you're working it all together because you're building something. And you get excited because you suddenly realise, hey, God, the Lord has established me to be the woman that he wants me to be. Is that not exciting? Is that not something worth fighting for? God, I believe, wants to. He wants us to catch it. Reach out and take it this morning by faith and say, yes, Lord. Yes, I receive all that you have for me. I want you. If we're gonna receive all that we, that he has for us, we have to give, get rid of this stuff that we're clinging on to, get rid of these idols and this false stuff, chuck it out, get it out through the dumb gate, it's only rubbish, and open yourself up to receive more. More of us, if we can receive more of him. I would love that we could sing this song, uh, which is such a joyful song about the power of the blood of Jesus, the fact that he went down to the gutter for us, that he shed his blood for us. I would love that we could sing this. I would love that we could sing it with real gusto this morning and give it your all. You kind of half know it. It's a kind of the two that you kind of half know. So let's just believe that the Lord is going to hear our praises this morning as we sing to him. Christ loves us and gave himself for us. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that he has more for you. And he wants you to open up your heart and trust him. And put your hands out to receive all that he has for you. Because he never, He never give you anything that will hurt you. He is always good. He's a good, good God. He has the best for you. And even in times of difficulty, he takes us through. He brings us up. He gives us victory. And he establishes us. To be his daughters, Amen. We remember we're not here next week. We'll be here the following week.